1: On come on sucker let's get it on oh you want to fight you want to fight i do not entertain hypotheticals
0: the world as it is is vexing enough
1: you don't know anybody named irish i don't know nobody named irish
0: can i have a piece of toast i don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to we are changing the course of history as we see it that is what western demands how could you do this to me?
1: Really, I want to know. Why did you do that?
0: What you feel only matters to you.
1: Step back for one minute and look at the big picture.
0: And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire.
1: We the bond a family that very few can understand. Help me. Help you. I don't <laughs> own drugs.
0: Or Whatever
1: Movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host Iris and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley. Today we're talking about Apple original film, The Banker.
0: Finally, The Banker. It was uh, delayed for a while. Did you hear about this? No. Yeah, the son of Bernard... Was a producer on the film and, and kind of instrumental in bringing it to the screen, the little screen, and uh, then got hit with abuse allegations. And so Apple abruptly canceled its release and held off for all of three months. The half-sister went on talk shows and stuff and and said that, yeah, this movie should never be released. And then Apple was like, well, we'll give it a respectful distance. But also... You know, it has nothing to do with that person. We're not glorifying that particular person. His name has been removed from the from the credits as producer. And here you go,
1: Bernard Garrett's son, sexually abused his half sisters.
0: Yes, that's the allegation. Weird. Yeah, and you know Anthony Mackie and Sam Jackson, who in promoting and Nia Long in promoting The Banker, definitely are talking about getting stories front and center about prominent black figures and how they factor into the evolution of history and and how, as business people, they're regarded, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's no small feat that Bernard Garrett and Joe Morris and, you know, by extension, Eunice Garrett, were instrumental in desegregating housing in L.A. and also paving the way for black ownership of property. With their 177 properties, they made room for young black professionals, young black families to... Kind of move into what were traditionally known as white neighborhoods
0: right and which ultimately according to the map at least that bernard was looking at some of them were almost exclusively black neighborhoods the rest were mixed neighborhoods and i didn't see any remainders on the map that were entirely white neighborhoods which is i guess the point right the point of integration
1: mm-hmm. you're talking about the map near the end of the movie where he and joe were in big business and spreading out and Expanding their empire
0: Right the level of success where you can have uh, Scale maps built Of entire cities
1: (laughs) That was their kind of contribution And also I think that there were some Broader themes about racism Then and racism today to a certain extent They also explored confidence Naivete and faith And also like trust I I remember trust was like a big theme So, So there was a lot going on In this film
0: Yeah but Joe didn't trust anybody
1: Yeah, black or white, Joe didn't trust anybody. And that was the lesson, basically, that Bernard had to learn.
0: Yeah, so this movie was sparse and clean. It felt like an Apple movie. It wasn't terribly dynamic. A lot of it took place. A lot of it were conversations in in conference rooms and things like that, and in, in people's living rooms. And so it lent well to watching it, basically, in whatever format was necessary.
1: I got the same feeling, and... I kind of attributed it to uh, whether it was Anthony Mackie's performance or whether it was Bernard Garrett as a character, you know, he was kind of stiff and Sam Jackson even goes so far as to say, you know, get this man a drink and get the stick out of his ass kind of a thing. And I felt like the directing was kind of mimicking or like catering to that performance. Like the directing likewise felt stiff. The angles were almost geometric. The shots were very static.
0: Well, that would suggest nuance, right, on the director's part, where he's reacting to the actors on screen. I'm not sure it was that detailed. It felt like a pretty straightforward, I dare say, pedestrian style of filmmaking. There were no frills, and maybe it was a no frills movie because it was mathematically based, but even Goodwill Hunting had some style. And Sam Jackson, in interview, called this movie the <laughs> The Hidden Figures of Banking. <laughs> and, uh, and that's pretty good because I was trying to find movies to compare it to. It is a strange, it feels strange, not just because the Apple Plus platform, but because of its thematic elements. And Hidden Figures had the dynamics of actually going into space and seeing a direct application of the of the math that we kind of glossed over in that movie, as opposed to The Banker where it was hard to discern, but we didn't actually have to follow the math. In order to follow the story, but not as as dynamic a story. Um, I would actually say that it was closer to, if I could be so bold, that this is more of the help of banking, because it did feel relatively safe and tidy in its style of filmmaking, including a number of musical montages, and it was just sort of safe and reliable.
1: Well, also, you don't need to dress up scenes with Sam Jackson. He's enough life and activity in and of himself.
0: Yeah, and Sam Jackson, not a lot of acting. I think Anthony Mackie, I really like him. I've liked him ever since The Hurt Locker, and uh, then he found his spot and you know the Avengers and stuff. He's good in that you can see his spirit and his soul and his performance even while he has a stick in his ass, figuratively speaking.
1: Whereas Sam Jackson was playing himself.
0: Absolutely. Didn't deviate from the Sam Jackson-ness one iota. He said, oh, I'm sorry. And I fully expected him to say, did I break your concentration? It was exactly <laughs> pitch perfect as it was in Pulp Fiction, said in 1994. He just, you know, down to down to the Sam Jackson laugh. He yeah. never, never deviates. He plays himself, and that's great because we love him and he's awesome. Anthony Mackie, also awesome. I thought Nia Long was pretty... Restrained and, and kind of just there uh, to uh, for exposition and didn't do a whole lot.
1: She was all right. They tried to give her a little bit of life and a little bit of backstory. Like there was that cutesy moment where she comes in and she completely overrules his interior decorating taste. I don't know. And then yeah. like the end and she's like long suffering and all happy to see him and stuff. She bugged me in that I get it. She was all faithful, and she stood by her husband, and she believed him, and she defended him against her uncle, saying he was a genius. And then he, like, buys her this house, and she pretends she doesn't know that he bought it. And then when he tells her in, re- in the reveal, she's like, I love it. And I'm like, oh, my God, if Brian bought a house without telling me, I'd be so pissed.
0: <laughs> it was a different time, though, right? You think she would kind of defer to her husband uh, more in those days than she would now.
1: Maybe, but, she, but, she, but at the same time, she was like, It's not his choice if I go back to work at the plantation club. So she was like all liberated, but then she wasn't.
0: At the same time, she did stand up to him when she said, because I'm a woman. And he said, yes. So it was obvious those social dynamics, those marital dynamics were in place where she was expected to defer to him. And and maybe he seemed like the type that would need to be in control and need to be the head of the household. Right. So uh, you suggested the banker. So I, I wasn't aware of this movie. And as is the case. With streaming, it's much easier because you don't go into theaters and see other movies and then see trailers for this one. So it wasn't anticipated. So I went into the Banker as I did with Greyhound and the Old Guard, completely cold. And that's uh, so unlike you. Yeah, had no idea what it was about. So I didn't know where it was going to go. So
1: did you know where it was going to go with Susie the White Wife?
0: I figured that it would be at least more detailed, given that Susie shows up with her Susie name tag and hits on on Matt, who she believes is filthy rich. And then the next literally the next time we see her, they're getting married. But you mean her coming around and being racist?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Wasn't she just like glowing white and blonde and like destined to be the bad guy?
0: Well, I think she was inconsequential enough. So do you think that she was the motivation behind him kind of turning on them?
1: I think that she was prodding him, yeah, to like take his place or take control of the businesses. Like I think that she maybe didn't understand fully their arrangement or Matt's ability and was really pushing him to assert himself. But she also insinuated that black people can't be smart.
0: Yeah, they can't be smarter than he is.
1: Which is so racist and crazy.
0: But it's also a mindset from the 50s. It's difficult to get away from. All the people that we vilify now that were changing after the fact, uh, John Wayne and Walt Disney and all these people, it was a culturally accepted mindset among white people. And I know that that's horrible to say and it's not a justification, but also her character was tangential enough so that I didn't vilify her right off the bat. I can understand. And even he gave her a dirty look and was like, you can't say things like that.
1: Right. Because he had had all this experience with Joe and... And Bernarda knew without a shadow of a doubt that they were way smarter than him.
0: Uh, Experienced that she didn't have. So she can possibly be forgiven her transgressions or her indiscretions. Whatever the case, I didn't see her as the, the the evil mastermind behind his turn, which in itself was weak. Because if it was a betrayal, if we can even call it that, it was a pretty soft betrayal. <laughs>
1: Bernard seemed to have made his peace with it pretty early on. They had their agreement that he would buy the Bahamian houses and that he would get himself off the hook for 50 years.
0: Right. And so that was Dakota. But we didn't know it going in and we didn't know that he contacted him. We didn't even know 100 percent that he had 50 he was staring at 50 years on the table until it was revealed after the fact. That's a good point. All we knew was that he was turning and when he did, it was kind of soft and it wasn't like, you know, I've been playing them all along, anything like that. And that softness and timidity in making a dramatic turn for this movie for the purposes of, of really driving home the point that they were prosecuted for crimes that, that the Matt character was responsible for is indicative of a larger problem in this movie. I think, because as I said, I went into it cold, didn't know where it was going. He was a real estate tycoon and hardly a banking tycoon, but they spent so much time on the real estate. And it was also part of the card at the end where they talked about how they transformed the housing, the integration of, or the the desegregation of housing. But that wasn't the focus of this movie. His real estate ventures weren't the focus of this movie, because while that was noteworthy, it seemed like the focus was using his real estate position in order to leverage his knowledge of how to acquire buildings, uh, specifically bank buildings, to purchase banks in his hometown where he couldn't get ahead and then move to L.A. so that he could help other black small businesses and families get ahead to close the wealth gap, to end financial discrimination so that they could be prosperous, productive citizens. I mean, isn't the whole point of the movie that he went home and used his anger and his frustration and everything he had learned and directed it, directed that at solving the problem that had driven him out of the South to begin with?
1: Yes, although it seemed more of a whim than a strategic culmination of a plan.
0: And that whim was motivated by frustration and anger. It seemed almost like up the principle of the thing. And Joe told him in no uncertain terms, this is a bad idea, because on paper, it is a bad idea. Now, this is me speaking from an experience where I thought that he was, you know, a a smart, calculating business person who wasn't going to let. The, the man keep him down in terms of expanding his wealth in the way that his intelligence would allow him to do. And then to go back to Texas and stir the pot seemed like a bad idea.
1: They kind of made a leap into banking.
0: Right. If and, you, it, it's like we bought a zoo, we bought a bank, and now we're bankers and we do all the banking.
1: Right. And then also they hadn't really pressure tested their relationship with Matt Steiner for this new business venture. Like, they did so much preparation getting him up to speed to be a front for real estate investments, but suddenly he's the president of a bank?
0: We got a whole montage of him learning where he was like, boy, you got a car, you're rich to me. (laughs) And then the next thing you know, there's a montage and he's playing golf. And at the end of it, at the end of one song, it was like the Matrix. He's like, I know Kung Fu. And suddenly he can, he can do the math and bank and everything.
1: He can't do the math. He can hit a straight line drive in golf, but he, he's only memorizing the outcome of the math. He doesn't understand the math.
0: He did have some flair for the fundamentals of the algebra. He could come up with the figures. But in terms of being under the the thumb of the the bank examiner and under under pressure like that, yeah, he had to commit to memorizing these specific figures rather than do the math in his head. And, and, And obviously that faltered.
1: I think you make a good point that we spent an awful long time with real estate business, building a real estate business. And the banking angle feels more like a bookend. For the film like it starts with young shoeshine garrett hanging around the bank and wanting to be in the banking business but also he's learning about real estate banking and investment and loans not necessarily about banking banking and then they do the whole real estate montage they get into the business and then yeah opportunistically he's home and he's inspired to get into the banking business in texas but it doesn't feel like all of his life he wanted to return home and buy the bank that he was the shoeshine boy outside of. It seemed like they went home to visit his dad, and he drove by the bank, and he got inspired. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1, since that matters. And, what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And he was also getting a little, what's the word? Like when you're you're maybe too confident, like overly confident? Heady? Yeah, he was getting a little heady about his ability. And what the, hey, why not go into banking? Like for reals, for reals.
0: Yeah, and so I think in terms of setup and payoff... They could have done that more effectively because we did kind of gloss over his formative years in terms of business acumen in Texas. By the time he showed up we learned, in LA, we learned he had already had a company, had already sold it, and that's how he had acquired his investment capital.
1: that's That's a filmmaking limitation, right? You hate it when there are multiple Bernard Garretts in a film.
0: Well, I don't hate it, but it is distracting, certainly, when there's more than one. If I can make that association, but carrying it through over the years where three people, four people play the same role as they did in Slumdog Millionaire, then it gets a little bit distracting.
1: Such a good movie.
0: But... Yeah, going from the shoeshine years to all of a sudden he's in L.A. and and has owned businesses and has already owned a property because by the time he meets the Matt character, his cousin says he owns businesses. He owns buildings. That's what he does for a living. So instead of glossing over the sort of real estate trials in Texas that forced him to go to California— and uh, instead of focusing on his inability to thrive financially, where he felt he had to leave to find some place where he wasn't facing quite as much discrimination or could at least get around it by hiding, you know, behind the mat character, we could have seen instead of instead of uh, building up the real estate, which the, wasn't the focus of the movie it was ultimately buying the bank. We could have instead seen how hard it was for him and his family specifically and how members of the black community in Texas how hard it was for them to get loans and get off the ground to where he said I can't do it here I have to leave and go someplace where I can thrive and that would ultimately drive his desire to go back and change things where he was from in the west rewrite in the in the rewrite yeah but it seems like when he got to LA the same thing happened he knew he couldn't get appointments with the uh, with the bankers or the people that would give him loans it seemed like he couldn't exactly get what he needed in LA either except through Alternate means
1: the system was working against him, so he had to find ways around it like he did with getting the loan from the banker Reed. Yep. And like his original business arrangement with um, Barker, was it? Sure. Which, by the way, that sucked. Why didn't he have anything in writing with Barker?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was Barker did. You know, I thought he was going to be, again, not having any clue where this movie was going, not having seen the trailer. And I did watch the trailer after the fact and he doesn't factor in it one iota. Never a frame in that in that trailer because he was gone so fast.
1: Well, I thought that he was an interesting character because he was the kind of like old sage businessman who likes the young upstart with Moxie and ambition. And he, you know, wanted to help out Garrett for whatever reason. But it it really weirded me out that in so many of Bernard Garrett's business transactions, he would talk about what a great business idea it is, what a great investment it would be. So Bernard's pitch to Barker was, it's a great building. You're not exploiting its possibilities. You're not at full capacity. There's a whole market of young black professional families that you could be catering to, and it's a, there's a great business opportunity here. And it's like, well, why does that inspire somebody to sell their building and not just take your idea and do something with it themselves? The same idea when, when they bought the bank building, it wasn't even for sale. So, like, don't you have to go in with, like, a very enticing offer for them to even consider it? And yet they were going back and forth and negotiating the sale of the bank building.
0: But, uh, you know, like many things, the Barker character was unceremoniously disposed of and forgotten about entirely. Unfortunately, that business agreement between them, the handshake agreement, was also forgotten about by his racist wife. Right. None of it felt particularly fleshed out. It felt convenient for the purpose of moving it along.
1: And a lot of times, the overtly racist ninnies that appear in these kinds of movies, like the tenant in Barker's original building, like they seem so caricature and they seem so convenient to convey the theme. But I also, uh, that's my impression that it's like, seriously, were people really like that? And then I think, well, people were probably really like that because people are like that today
0: in the south for sure
1: or even in LA it reminded me of that video where the crazy white woman is berating the Asian looking woman in Wilson Park in Torrance
0: oh man Torrance our hometown
1: our hometown and there's this racist woman saying how her family's going to kick this other woman's ass because she's from some Asian country and because she's exercising in the park
0: now, as before, people are encouraged because they feel backed and supported by culture, which would perpetuate the racism and the behavior where they would be able to say things directly to Bernard's face or to the lady's face. You know, it was unmasked, unvarnished racism. Right. Just like you can't be here, boy. It's like, Jesus. Yeah. So maybe they're caricaturish uh, again, like the help. Um, that said, Knowing that this whole thing was racially charged from the beginning, I did feel some tension going through. Granted, The Banker is an awfully boring title, but I was also waiting, because it was so racially charged, for the other shoe to drop, where I thought, okay, we're in a stage where Johnson is vice president, JFK is still alive, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. is still alive, but once these people die, there's going to be a racial shift and there's going to be some upheaval and things are going to go pretty badly. I was really afraid that that was what was going to cause everything to come crashing down around their heads at the end of Act 2.
1: The cold open set up where the film was going.
0: Well, yeah, but I had no context for that. Frankly, I was like, all right, there's a courtroom setting, and then we cut away with no real context for what he's about to do. Yeah, We didn't know that he's about to testify on his behalf in his defense for a trial that would ultimately send him to prison.
1: I can totally see the um, socio historical context right that there would be some broader racial shift or movement that would affect you know their story but it seemed like it was just all leading toward the courtroom scene where we eventually find out he has to make a decision right if he's going to play the political game and basically take a deal or if he's going to stand up for what's right the principle of it and use that as a platform for his message. Why is it so important for you to keep us down?
0: Why is it so important for you to discriminate against an entire nationality an entire race. race of people? Yeah. yeah.
1: So you felt like this was a boring, like it's a boring premise at the outset with a boring title, but did you feel like it was a boring movie? Did you feel like it was an important movie?
0: I think that the importance of the message was undermined. They prevented laws from being put in place that would prevent black business owners from getting loans and distributing loans in a way that didn't make other people feel comfy. But they didn't institute change as much as they prevented change in the wrong direction. They stood up for what was right, and that makes them heroes, even if they were going to be put down for their troubles, even if they were going to go to prison unjustly for crimes that technically, if things were illegal, and that's where things got hazy as well as to whether or not Bernard or Joe did anything illegal. They definitely hid behind, you know, what they could in the paperwork and they did some angling and strategizing. But even for what Matt was doing, Bernard warned him that that could be constituted as fraud, but I'm not even sure he was doing anything overtly illegal. It seemed like the white people were pissed that the black people had control right under their noses of white people's money. And as such, they were going to make an example of them, even if they had to make an example of Matt to do it and put him away. Right. Even if they didn't do anything specifically wrong, they still did enough in white people's eyes to be sent to prison. And while uh, the Matt character got off scot-free. but. Rosa Parks didn't stand up and whoop some ass on the bus. She just refused to move. And they refused to adhere to the rules that would have prevented them from prospering. They changed the game subtly.
1: I came to understand that, like, these kinds of stories are important because the way kind of Hollywood works right now is, you know, you have to be a saint. You have to be a Martin Luther King Jr. or a Muhammad Ali or a Harriet Tubman to have a movie about you. If you're black, whereas you can run a marathon and have a movie if you're white, (laughs) (laughs) which, you know, millions and millions of people do. And I'm not saying that the banker gets a pass just because smaller historical black stories need to be told. But I agree that they need to be told.
0: Yeah. And Sam Jackson produced this movie. You know, he had heard the story and Anthony Mackey had the story and they both strongly felt that it needed to be told. I'm glad that it's a vehicle specifically for Anthony Mackie, who, as far as I know, hasn't really carried a successful movie. He's been parts of ensembles, and he's been pretty strong supporting-wise. Sam Jackson can do anything. That doesn't mean he has to do anything, but he chose this story and wanted to both be involved uh, as an actor and as a producer, which lends itself to you know the idea that it's a fairly strong concept that he believes in. But also, George Nolfi, director, definitely a white dude. And so messages, sure, but not an entirely black film, all black cast or all black filmmakers. You know what I mean? Right. Whatever needs to happen to get it to the screen. And I don't think it suffers because it has a white director. I don't think it has a tremendous amount of style because of this particular director. But yeah.
1: So one last question. Did the whole glasses thing work for you?
0: The, whole, the idea that was he trying to look... More intellectual, because that's just silly. But then again, nowadays, kids wear glasses that don't have lenses in them because it's a style choice. That happened to Elton John, too. He wore glasses because he wanted to have a signature style, and then it messed up his eyes enough so that he had to permanently wear glasses. Self-fulfilling. Sorry, it's dumb to wear glasses when you don't have to. As a person who did have to wear really thick glasses for a long time, the second I could get them off my face, I did so
1: i just don't know why it was a story point or like a big deal I like don't know. He did, he's not wearing his glasses
0: yeah he doesn't have to wear his glasses never had to
1: <gasps> and like bum, bum, bum. <laughs>
0: right so my last question is was the bahamas ending real did they go off and live happily ever after in huts side by side in margaritaville
1: Brian had the exact same question like do you you know is that historical that they had houses in the Bahamas like I don't know if they did conceivably Matt would have had to have bought them in his name right and then what could have transpired in the time that they were in prison since we don't really have a good sense of how long they were in prison right.
0: It seemed pat and convenient in a movie that got us from point A to point D, point B by glossing over some things. Then they got to point C in the Bahamas seemed awfully convenient.
1: I mean, it's not a tragedy. Right. So they had to have a happy ending, um, although the happy ending maybe didn't have to be quite so happy as retiring, you know, with a pina colada in the Bahamas. The fact that he didn't tell her about it and the fact that she was happy about it, like, was so annoying. It was just, like, the first house that he bought. So maybe it just wasn't set up properly. We didn't really get the backstory of Garrett's deal with Steiner and what the arrangement was, like, until that moment. And maybe we just didn't have... Maybe it just wasn't set up properly. Yeah. But it did feel it did feel convenient. It didn't. I didn't feel happy for them. It didn't feel satisfying, I guess is what I'm saying.
0: The ultimate resolution didn't seem to be satisfying or proper in that this story would have all the pieces needed for a dramatic movie with real weight and concept of consequences.
1: So does that affect your rating? In a way,
0: it's, it's part of a larger problem with the movie. I give this movie an all right rating. It was enjoyable, timely, messages are were important and these unsung heroes of culture like the hidden figures needs to be told and maybe those stories aren't always glossy maybe they were embellished as they might have been with their bahamas happy ending here for dramatic effect but whatever the case i'm glad it was told
1: well i was going to say that the banker was an okay movie but i think given its context not only on apple tv plus but also Socio politically, I think it's an important film so I think it was good good
0: we are in agreement
1: so that was our talk on the banker this is our second apple tv plus review we hope there'll be many more give us a call let us know what you think 818-835-0473 or whatever movies at gmail.com thank you for listening we really appreciate all of our patreon patrons and your support we'll see you next time cast